श्रीला गुरुदेव की जय श्रीमन महाप्रभु की जय श्री हरिनाम संकीर्तन की जय श्री द्वादशी की जय गौर भक्त वृंद की जय गौर प्रमान हरिहरि वो सो प्रणाम टू ऑल वेलकम we are continue with our series of lectures about vaishnava etiquette today we are in our penultimate session on this topic this meeting number 18 and we will be speaking today about prasad after speaking about prachar making a play of words we continue with prasad so as usual first of all let's make some brief recap of what we were studying last uh monday which was our second meeting connected to prachar mm, to the idea of extending mm, the gift that has come to our lives so after giving some more technical if you will uh description or definition about harikatha on preaching on prachar on all this in the context of shravan and kirtan and so on In our previous lecture, we share more practical considerations in, in in connection to this realm. We started speaking about Mangala Charan, this very crucial, most important moment, at least in my consideration before Harikatha, before giving a lecture. We had a lot to do to sur- with surrendering our ego, with this conception of uh, transpersonal authorship. I'm not the one writing the book. I'm not the one giving the lecture. I'm not the one. being the main character here basically we also share some typical structure for the mangala charan generally starting with guru vaishnavas gaur nityananda gaur gadadhar hari krishna and so on also we share some other details concerning to the moment we may be or some may give may be given lecture regarding the asan and how the asana is <clears throat> for shastra if we are given a lecture we shouldn't think it's for me the importance of punctuality in the context of ahimsa and acknowledging and respecting honoring others time and energy uh and also of course more contemporary and, and important considerations like for example during lecture try not to create a parallel event during that whether it may be checking cell phone checking messages speaking with others taking pictures or whatever also we spoke a little bit about uh children mm, how to properly accommodate mm, their necessities and as parents take necessary responsibility in order for everything to be uh, in harmony mm, if you will also we share the whole separate section to vaishnava etiquette on social media mm, which is also very important point that we share mm, trying to really properly represent our tradition to the outside outside world not using devotional names while publishing <clears throat> non devotional content mm. try not to gossip try not to we were spoke a little bit about gossip as our are the main addiction of godias if you will <laughs> being that we are not engaging in other addictions in our principles so that may become one of the main ones so we have to pay close attention to that also some tips regarding vaishnava etiquette concerning 
Zoom meetings, which is nowadays the main platform for sharing harikata in great big part in this COVID era. Mm, so some considerations, having the camera off while doing something else, while being as being audience or also as hosts of Zoom meetings, how to uh, create a proper preface mm, to the kata, to invoke some sacredness for the moment that will be about to be shared. In brief words, act as if the sadhu is present there, as, act, consider the Zoom meeting as entering the temple room, uh, because you indeed are there. Everything is a state of consciousness. Even you may enter physically in the temple room and sadhu may be there, but you may be somewhere else as well. So it's important trying to invoke those, that type of awareness. And especially nowadays, we, when we find this challenge of multitasking mind, which is really much the pattern in, in, in this present age, but we need to know how to deal, how to use our attention. We need to respect our attention. So some ideas we shared in our previous meeting in this connection regarding prachar, how to properly show proper regard, show proper decorum in the context of prachar, that special type of behavior, which has to do with the sharing of the divine message. So after prachar, we continue with prasad today. Today, in class 18, we will be speaking about this principle, prasad generally translated as grace, but specifically we will be pointing that in the direction of sacred foodstuff, if you will, as you may imagine. So as usual, I think we will only spend this class regarding prasad, and we will have one last class next Monday when some different various topics will be presented that we're not able to fit in the dynamic that we will be sharing this last month. So to begin with, as usual, let's give some brief uh, conceptual orientation to Prashad. What's Prashad? How to have proper regard, proper appreciation for the sacredness of, of it. <clears throat> And of course, prasad has a lot to do with eating, apparently at least, with the function of nourishing our body. And I think that's a very important point, which is of course a very basic, foundational, um, if you will, even primitive aspect of our survival instinct, to survive, to eat for survival. And in that case, it has to do a lot with maintaining our material existence on one level, but if we learn to that, do that properly, we will be solving from the very root the whole, addressing from the very root the whole problem of material existence. Once Sri Siddhar Maharaj mentioned that while commenting on, on the fourth verse of Upadishambhita, which speaks about sharing, giving and receiving prasad, as we know that's a, one of Priti Lakshanam, of the ways of showing affection to the Vaishnavas. So today we will be speaking about that in the context of Vaishnava etiquette, which has to do with increasing our affection in Sadhu Sangha. So Prashad is a very crucial way of uh, sharing our hearts to others, hmm? expressing our love to others by cooking for them, by accepting their offering and so on. So in this connection, Srila Siddha Maharaj once said that the, the main principle of exploitation, hmm, very primal one, starts with self-preservation, hmm? with identifying with this body and trying to preserve that. And he said, that means eating. So he said, if we can solve this problem, we can solve practically everything else. 
basically. Of course, again, directing this eating principle into the direction of dedication. So the very first principle of material existence is self-preservation, which has to do with eating. So that kind of is perpetrating the, the whole material uh, world and consciousness. So if we are able to dovetail that, mm, that layer in the proper direction, for sure everything that follows will be practically solved as part of that. So this has a lot to do with this idea of prasadam. Instead of eating, instead of taking food for maintaining my material sense of existence, as we will see, we will be doing something else. We will be honoring prasad. And this prasad, as we know, is not food, it's not material stuff, but it's, in one sense, non-different from our beloved deity, from Bhagavan. As we have been speaking already, it's the same way as the deity is non-different from Bhagavan, the same way as Srinam is identical with Sri Hari, in the same way that the Bhagavat, the book, is not different from the person, Bhagavat, Bhagavan. So similarly, Prasadam, Bhagavat Prasadam, is identical with Bhagavan. And that's why we generally, strictly speaking, we express in terms of Prasad Sevaya, Prasad Sevaya, to render Seva to Sri Prasad, to Bhagavat Prasad, not to eat food, not to have lunch. Even though we may say that in in practical dynamics, at least we should bear in mind what's the, re what's the real thing that's going on there. We are not eating. We are not just tasting, enjoying, or whatever. We are honoring Bhagavan's grace. Prasad means mercy, again. Prasad means the grace of Krishna extending itself in a particular way, in this case in a very tasteful way, in every sense of the term. So Prasad is grace which is to be served by us, which is the opposite to Bhoga. As we know, bhoga means that which is for us to enjoy. So it has nothing to do with the principle of descending, hmm? descending grace, hmm? which is to be honored by us, which is to be served by us. Bhoga is something that I take, that I exploit, that I enjoy, but we are not to take that stance in connection to mercy. That's to be honored. So that's why we don't say, even I eat prasad or I take prasad. It's not about taking, because I cannot take grace. I can just receive, honor, serve that thing that is descending, that is beyond my reach, beyond my personal capacity and scope of providing it to myself. You follow? I cannot give divine grace to myself. I can just open myself for that. So that's an important point to begin with. That may begin with a way of expressing ourselves, but it speaks a lot about what's really going on. So prasad sevaya, honoring prasad, serving prasad. We may serve Prasad to others, but the point is to render service, Seva to Prasad, that's the point. I remember once Professor Sanyal, one of the main disciples of Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta, he was speaking with his brother, and he was trying to explain this point to him. He said, in the math, in the, in the temple, we do not consume anything. We honor the remnants of the Lord. Which again, externally it seems the same. You are taking with your hand food and putting it in your mouth. You are consuming, you are exploiting, you are taking, you are eating. But everything has to do with our sambanda, our orientation to that. That's why we need first to be in the proper place in that regard. So in the temple, in the math, and it doesn't only limit to someone living as a monastic. He was a grihasta, actually, Professor Sanyal. So we do not consume anything. 
we, our life is not about consumption, but honoring. So he said, we honor the remnants of Bhagavan. The whole idea of Prashad is that everything that comes to our life, first I offer that to Bhagavan, and then I honor the remnants, whether it be the form of food, and as mentioned, we can offer our clothes to Bhagavan, whatever comes to us, first we make that an offering to our Isadev, and then we honor the remnants. That's a very nice way of conceiving ourselves as servants. I only want to live with the remnants of my Lord. That's what Udab say. By using your clothes, by eating your remnants, by sustaining my life with your remnants, I, I can conquer Maya, he said. So that will be the main difference between someone who is mundane and a real devotee, basically. Externally, it's the same. They are dressing clothes, eating, wearing clothes, eating, so on. But the inner approach is what makes the difference. For example, regarding topmost example of how to honor Prasad, we have the famous case of Sriman Mahaprabhu himself, who in Jagannath Puri, of course, in connection to to Jagannath Prashad, with actually to speak about Jagannath Prashad will it's another chapter altogether and we should spend the whole series just to speak about Jagannath Prashad and their standard and how they prepare that and how many preparations and how much it's everything revolves around that. So I won't go into that detail that will be too much, but that's an interesting portal. So when Mahabrahu was in Puri honoring Jagannath Prashad, it is said that he that's the type he was Tasting the saliva of Krishna, of, of Jagannath. He was not eating rice, enjoying dal, but he was having darshan of Krishna's Adharamrita. <clears throat> Adharamrita means the nectar of the lips. So there are different types of Adharamritas, of course. The sound of the flute of Krishna is one type of Adharamrita. The kissing of Krishna, that he, he will kiss Jashoda, he will kiss his friends, he will kiss the gopis and different, of course, brasses. But that's a type of other Amrita, the nectar from his lips, but also the remnants of what he ate, it's other Amrita. So that's another way to refer to, to Prasad, other Amrita, the nectar of the lips, in this case, of course, Krishna's lips. So when Mahaprabhu was honoring this Mahaprasad, he was really entering in contact with the experience of Krishna tasting the Mahaprasad. It was not so much about his experience, of course, he's Krishna, that's another thing, but the point is, when we honor Prasad, it's not so much about my experience on that, in relation to that. I am the center and this is coming to me, so I can enjoy that, taste that, that can serve me. And I remain in the center. No, no. The center of the experience is how Krishna tasted this. And I am to honor that. Ideally, that's the whole art of on render service, service to Prasad. When we are about to do that, we will be trying to enter into that state, that focus. How did Bhagavan <clears throat> taste that? To the point that someday, that may happen as Mahaprabhu did, you may get a glimpse of Bhagavan's saliva, if you will, the real remnants there. Of course, some of these ideas can also be applied to the concept of Charanamrita, which sometimes has to do with the, wash, the water that washes the feet of Bhagavan, and we may honor that in the context of Prasad. So again, it, ideally we honor prasad. We do not eat prasad, we do not take prasad, but we receive prasad, we honor prasad, we try to properly uh, host the grace. Prasad Sivaya. The famous prayer, as we will see, that we recite sometimes has that name, Prasad Sivaya. And that's what will maintain us, our lives. Again, we want to maintain our lives, not in a material sense, in a physical sense. 
we don't want just to preserve our physicality, but only do that for the sake of Bhagavan. And we take prasad not only for in physical terms to take care of our sadhakadeha, but to nourish and spiritualize our whole sense of being. And our whole practice is sustain upon prasad. Generally, many devotees, if you ask a devotee, how do you become a devotee? All of us will have to say prasadam in one way or another. Because you may, I may say, okay, how do you become a devotee, Maharaj? Ah, by prasadam. And someone may think, oh, Maharaj is a senior devotee and he must have, must have, must have some high philosophical point behind that. So it's not easy to understand. But no, I, I, I became a devotee for prasadam and I remain a devotee because of prasadam. Because what's prasadam? It's Bhagavan's grace. We can apply to the food, but we can extend the idea to mercy, divine grace. So we become devotees by grace. We remain devotees by His grace. And we will continue as devotees and grow in that path by grace. And, we, and independent of grace, independent of the principle of prasad, of course, we are finished, basically. So it's important to conceive this idea. Prasad is sustaining is my prana, my life here. So prasad is to be given from that sense. It's mercy. We can calculate mercy. We cannot uh, demand mercy. We cannot deny mercy to others. This is the famous story of Kunju Babu distributing halaba. Mm, my Guru Maharaj used to share that. Mm, Srila Siamras was there as well. So they were distributing halaba and some kids, they were long queue, long, and they came once, they took halaba, they went again to the queue, and they again received halaba for a second time. They again went for a third time, and at one point one devotee was, why again you are doing this? No, get out of here. So the devotee say, but are, are you distributing prasad hmm? or food? And food, that may be in the realm of karma, which has to do with justice, and certain laws will apply that, but we are distributing mercy. So if the person is coming for further mercy, you cannot just deny that, because if you did already receive mercy. Try to apply the same to you. And you ask for mercy, and will tell you, you already received mercy. <laughs> mm? So it's important to understand this this point. Mm? As again, as Uda would say, the idea of prasad is something that sustains. Ideally, we should feel I'm being sustained from tip to toe, all my whole being with prasad, mm? the principle of prasad. Uda would say that by decorating ourselves with garlands, with oils, clothes, ornaments mm? that you have already enjoyed, and by eating the remnants of your meals, he also mentions the prasad in the context of food, we, your servants, will indeed conquer Maya. So, again, externally, Uddhava was wearing the royal clothes of Krishna Dwarka. He seemed pretty opulent, but what, that was the topmost way of renunciation, because for the ego to just live of, of others' remnants, that requires humility. So, some orientation to prasad, to the principle of grace in connection to divine foodstuff, also, something important to consider here is that there are levels of prasad. Mm-hmm. There's not just black or white. It's not that this is prasad, this is boga, this is devotee, this is a demon, or whatever. <laughs> black and white consideration. We can also speak in terms of prasad. Of course, to begin with, we have to establish this difference between boga and prasad. Mm-hmm. Krishna himself in the Gita mentions this in the third chapter, 13 verse, mentioning that the non-offered food, which is basically considered sin. Mm. Those things that you ingest without being first consecrated to Bhagavan, that will increase your karmic 
depth. I mean, so we should be aware of that. It's not just about eating food stuff that I like, that my tongue relishes. I mean, you can do that, but you have to also to understand. I mean, I may I may be increasing my karmic depth by doing that. I may be nourishing my exploitative sense of identity. I may not be nourishing my servanthood. Not in an erotic way as usual, but I mean, that's a fact. That's there. So it's important to acknowledge that and deal with that properly. But even between the, beyond the difference of Boga and Prashad, in the context of Prashad, again, we should speak about different degrees of that. Once Shilasya Maharaj mentioned that, there are degrees of Prashad. And that will depend on the consciousness that one has, mainly in four aspects or stages of the Prashad expression, if you will. The consciousness first that the one who is cooking has, the consciousness that is present in the one who is offering the bhoga to the altar in order to make it prasad. Third, the consciousness of the one who is serving prasad to others. And fourth, the consciousness of the person who is honoring prasad. Of course, in some cases, the same person may be doing all the four same things. So the point is, if all of these four items are in the best possible place, prasad will have the best possible effect, if you will. But there may be difference, there may be nuances there. And I think you agree with me. If I come to you and I say, okay, here's some Mahaprasad that have been cooked today, like cooked today. And then I say, but I here I have something that was cooked by Srila Prabhupada and, and I have still some remnant. You will make some difference in connection to that Prasad for sure. <laughs> because you, you know, there is a particular state of consciousness, Bhava, there. So there are degrees of Prasad. So let's, try to elaborate a little bit on that, on these four points that we mentioned. So first, the consciousness of the person who is cooking. Again, it's not just, I'm doing it automatically, and that's for sure prasad. It has to be affected by a certain bhav. There's one story in the from Prabhupada in the Haider temple. Once he asked to taste the prasad that was being distributed to the guests there. So Prabhupada tasted the prasad and he was really upset after that. And he called for the leaders of the temples there, and, and they asked him, I mean, he asked them, sorry, what is this? No, he was showing the prasad. So they would say, it's prasad on Srila Prabhupada. Mm. Then to everyone's dismay, <laughs> Srila Prabhupada said, this is not prasad, this is garbage. Mm. And he said, you cannot offer just anything to Krishna. Krishna is not a garbage disposal. Mm. So again, this has to do with how you are cooking, which ingredients you are offering. Sometimes you can be really neglectful in that. So you cannot call anything prasad. So it has to do with, with all these considerations. And the same with offer, offering the prasad in the same way. It's not just I, I, I just parrot some certain sounds and that's prasad. Or, I, or, or, or what to speak about some something cooked by someone else in the street and I put on my face, on my forefinger here and in the head and say, uh, say some mantra, distribution, 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 yeah, it's prasad. And I start to enjoy separately. <laughs> Not necessarily. Hmm? Not necessarily. Even regarding serving prasad, that's a very important aspect. Someone may think, oh, that's who, who, who can serve prasad? Like the one who is doing nothing, let him, her do, do that service. But actually that's a very high service, as we will see, because it's serving Prashad is serving grace, is extending grace to others. So it is mentioned also another story connection with Sila Siddhar Maharaj in this case. 
that once Srila Siddha Maharaj told one Prabhupada disciple who wanted to receive sannyas from him, said, stay some, some time here in the math, so we will see, let's speak in time, make some basic services here in the math, and in time we can speak. So the devotee understood, okay, basic services. So he went to the prasadam room, and he started to serve prasadam to the devotees. So one of the senior devotees in the math came to him and asked, what are you doing? And he said, I'm serving prasadam. Guru Maharaj told me that. <laughs> you see how this crooked, distorted telephone starts to work. So th this elder devotee uh, went to uh, re-asked the devotee, no? what exactly our Guru Maharaj told you specifically? And the devotee told, he told me that I may engage in some basic service. Because Silasya Maharaj didn't say Sir Prasad. So the elder devotee in the Mass told him, this is not a basic service. Basic service means maybe uh, cleaning with the broom and so on. Serving prasad, that's very high. That's very high. Because again, it means to extend the mercy to others. Sometimes in many ashrams, especially in India, you may see that the, the serving of the prasad is made by the senior, topmost senior about the ashram. Sometimes the guru himself, herself, is the one serving the prasad because the idea is that Gurudev is extending the mercy to us. So that's important point. And again, it's a very deep affectionate exchange. Bhukti Bhajayate Chaiva. Tadbidam Priti Lakshanam Rupa Goswami. It's two of the main six loving exchanges between the devotees, giving and accepting prasad. So the point is again, I cannot give, as I mentioned, my mercy to myself. I cannot give to myself the Diksha mantras, for example. I need to receive them from Sri Guru. I cannot give to me Krishna's mercy. It's Avaroha Panta. Avaroha Panta means descending process, not Aroha Panta, not ascending process. It's not that I construct a stairway to heaven and me myself will reach there. No, it not, it's that not, does not depend on me. For example, the famous, another well-known example in this connection is Arjuna. As a Kshatra, it is a famous Kshatra, topmost Kshatra in the world, but he could not put on his own armor. It is said that if he picked up his armor and put it on and sheathed his own sword for battle, it was all useless because these things were benedictions given to him. So they required that he had to be dressed in, an, in his armor. Do you follow my point? He, he was not giving that to himself because that was a blessing to him. So the blessing, I cannot give myself a blessing. So we are like Arjuna in this way. Many things are given to us, but we have to receive them in a proper way. It's not that I can give that to myself. Again, if I live alone in my house and I have to serve prasad to myself, <laughs> I, I understand the, the practical consideration, but at least the conception should be there. Hmm? So important, this idea of serving prasad. Hmm? How to do that? What's the implications of that? Hmm? And then the fourth stage, as we mentioned, is to honor the prasad. Hmm? The fourth aspect that will make prasad fully effective or not. So honoring prasad without offenses, basically. We can engage in prasad aparat, as we have been sharing. There is one story in this connection in relation to Ramanujacharya. It is said that once Ramanujacharya, he fed one fish with the Mahaprasad of the deity, one fish that was there on, on the river. So he throws some little piece of Mahaprasad and the fish jumped from the water to grab the prasad in its mouth 
uh, before it could enter the water again, the fish assumed the Vaikuntha form, Sarupya Mukti, and entered Vaikuntha Lok. So you can imagine that Ramanuja's disciples were there present and they saw such a situation and they inquired from their guru, why we did not have yet received a Vaikuntha form? See, we have received so much Mahaprasad many times. So Ramanuja replied, you, know, you are you are trying you are trying still to enjoy the prasad on some level and that's aparat. The fish made no offense, no aparat, and therefore attained by kunt immediately. So the point is, that's the power of mahaprasad, where it's unencumbered by all these types of enjoying spirit. So in the same way, we can engage in aparat by chanting nam, by worshiping vigraha. We can also engage in opera by honoring prasad, but not honoring prasad, but by seeing that as something for my own pleasure. Even if we have bona fide prasad, if you will, and we are selling it, that can be an offense to prasad as well. Of course, there is some tradition in, in where the temple is selling some part of the Mahaprasad to the visitors, and that Lakshmi is used directly in the service of the deity. That's one thing. And, and it's okay. But, however, if the prasad is sold to a third group of people who at the same time they will sell the prasad and for obtaining personal gain for their sense enjoyment, then that implies a form of apparatus to prasad. It's, it's not reaching its real purpose, if you will. So, this is, it was some not so introduc short introduction, but I want to share this kind of conceptual orientation toward what's prasadam and, and, and the degrees of that. So, let's share now some more practical tips in connection to the moment of honoring prasad, serving prasad, whatever, and how to properly deal with all that. There are many, many rules from Vaishnava etiquette in this connection. And as we know, many of them have a transcendental side to it, but also some of them will speak to us mostly about the sattvic lifestyle hmm, as a foundation for the first thing, for the transcendence. So we will try to understand which is which. Hmm. Some of them hopefully, or most of them, all of them may be common sense for you. To begin with, if you are in the kitchen, if you are cooking, hmm, if you are part of this first of four stages regarding manif prasad, do not speak unnecessary things in the kitchen. Do not engage in prajalpa, basically. Try to be focused, try to enter into some meditative state, trying to hear harikata or try to speak harikata. Somehow or other, you know, the energy you are vibrating will be imbibed in the, in the food you are preparing. So do not speak prajalpa in the kitchen and hopefully do not speak prajalpa anywhere else. <laughs> it's also... But especially the kitchen sometimes is highlighted as almost non-different from the altar. It's like an expansion of the altar. And so that's also in that connection. Kitchen also should be cleaned. Always, Sila Prabhupada will say, while you are cooking, you are cleaning at the same time. So when you finish the cooking, the kitchen is clean. Because again, the kitchen is as sacred as the altar itself. So it should never be dirty. We know that Sri Radha engages so much in the kitchen, may big part of her main seva to Sri Krishna on a daily basis to go to Nandishwar and cook for him. Mm -hmm. and so it is say sometimes the Sri Radha is there in the kitchen. If you really enter into the proper mood, she will be there, she will be assisting you, she will be providing the necessary elements, the necessary invisible spices for prasad to be prasad, basically. So we can even pray to her before starting our seva in that context. Mm -hmm. 
Ideally, also, we should not enter the kitchen uh, with the shoes that we have been using walking outside. Similar again, if we extend the, the criteria for entering the temple, this may be extended naturally to the kitchen, which is another temple. When cooking, do not uh, make experiments hmm, with the different preparations. In other words, do not speculate with the recipes, but try to follow known uh, approved, if you will, recipes. Of course, Krishna takes the bhava, Krishna takes the essence of our <laughs> heart, but if we have that essence, we will want to do things properly also. So to have good intention, as we were speaking today with Sumati, is not an excuse to not be concerned about doing things properly, regarding cooking or regarding whatever. Again, not only the kitchen should be clean, but we ourselves should be clean as well. Our body, our clothes for entering to the kitchen should be clean as the clothes we use for entering to the altar. Once it is said that one devotee asked Srila Prabhupada something like, if, if, meanwhile, if we are cooking, we touch our clothes. Should we wash our hands? That was a question. And Prabhupada basically said, if your clothes are clean, there's no necessity of washing your hands. But if your clothes are not clean, you should not be in the kitchen to begin with. <laughs> so that's the main point. Also, ideally, it's important that if you are in the kitchen, again, it's like you are in the altar, not everyone will enter there. Do not allow anyone and everyone to enter there because some newcomers, non-devotees may enter, may desire the food that is being cooked before being offered. Mm. Ideally, animals should not enter into the kitchen because the same thing can happen and so on. Mm. And when the offering is... is um, ready, I mean the boga is ready to be offered, we should generally put some plate on that if we are taken to an altar and when we offer that, we wash the plates of the deity if we are doing that type of offering and after washing the plates of the deity we can put whatever is left, if something is left who knows, <laughs> deity may be very attracted by your bhakti and eat everything as we will see so after putting all the remnants in their respective pots and cleaning that, the distribution can begin. Mm -hmm. And as we know, can be accepted at any moment and any place. This is what Mahaprabhu showed when he came in the very early morning to Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya to give him Jagannath Prasad when he was still in bed. And he honored that mm -hmm. beyond other karmakanda rules. But it doesn't mean that we can take Prasad, for example, in front of the deity or in the kitchen itself. Now, ideally, in those places, we shouldn't be honoring prasad. Hmm? Ideally, also for honoring prasad from the moment of ingesting prasad, if you will, <laughs> honoring, ideally, we should do that also without shoes, hmm? like entering to the altar again. <clears throat> it is recommended that we wash our mouth before and after, especially after honoring prasad. We shouldn't walk up above, over the prasad, because again, this represents Krishna's grace, so we are not to walk above over Krishna's grace. And before honoring Prashad, also we have this Prashad Sevaya, the famous um, prayer. I mean, there are many prayers actually, and different traditions will have their own. Particularly in our Bhaktivinoda Parivarta, is this main one: Bahiri, Sarira, etc. I won't go into the details nor explain the whole content of it. That may take a separate lecture, but you know it. Or sometimes some other mantras are in Bhog, Mahaprasad, Gubindi, Nama Brahmani, Vaishnavi, and so on. 
Actually, Bhakti Thakur composed many others apart from the main one we recite. There are many others that in Bengali as well, similar in structure, but all connected to Gaur Lila, uh, some others to Krishna Balaram. So for those who may have affinity for Sakya Bhav, that prayers may be found and recited or, or for Gaur Lila, whatever. Mm -hmm. But the point here is trying to create an awareness before the act itself. What I am about to do? What's this about? What's going on here? I'm just about to eat. Because again, we are so accustomed to do that on a daily basis forever. And th this is one of the things that we mostly do on a daily basis. So if we do that wrongly, that may create further and further entanglement. But if, if these things that we do every single day, many times a day, we learn to do it properly, that may foster very interesting type of redemption, if you will. Regarding... Honoring the prasad in itself, ideally it is recommended that we use our right hand for that, as we already mentioned, right hand is more for dealing with sacred objects. Hmm? Even on a more Ayurvedic consideration, Satwik one, it's recommended that you eat directly with your hand. If you go to India, that may be usual, but of course that may be a cultural shock for those in the West, and it's not a must, but they say in Ayurveda that digestion starts... Uh, with your hand, basically. Not only when you put the food in your stomach, in your mouth, but when you take it with the hand without the intermediary of spoon, fork, or whatever. Again, this is not for judging others, so that's using a spoon, he's not so high, we may commit the, the same mistake as Draupadi, or she was offending that one who was mixing all, and so on. <laughs> now we will find different standards also in the Lila. Now I'm saying this now for us as Tadakas. If you enter the Lila, and you happen to to see Krishna having picnic lunch with his gopas, they won't follow Vaishnava etiquette in this connection. <laughs> they will be eating with the left hand and take taking something and putting that in the other's mouth and giving themselves the remnant. So this applies to us as sadhakas here. The lila, some other things may be upside down, if you will. Also, ideally, when we receive prasad in a plate, we should eat everything that is there in the plate. So, of course, for that to happen, you should not ask more that one you that what you can eat basically because if not you will the point is you are dealing with the grace of Bhagavan again so you have to honor grace but as much as you are able to do so you shouldn't ask for more and more and try to exploit that eventually so you should empty all the plate and in case you you want more you can ask for more but ideally not to left remnants and again this is, has to do with this point do not try to eat in excess do not try to, uh, how to say in English, to engage in uh, gl gluttony, you say? Yeah, gluttony, gluttony, like the greed of the tongue. Mm -hmm. Because that's a way of abusing prasad, if you will. Do eat whatever your body requires. Generally, they say you should eat half of your stomach filled with solid food, a quarter of the stomach with liquid, that ideally the liquid should be taken before, not during the meal quarter of the stomach liquid, half of the stomach food, and one quarter of the stomach with for air, for digestion and so on. And so, <clears throat> and, and, and you, you have to pay attention when that's going on. Sometimes it is said also that at some point of your eating, there will become some burp, if you will, of course, internally. Your digestive system will show, that's enough, I'm full. So you already know when to to stop, if you will. <laughs> and of course, you can continue eating, but in time, after some minutes, that part that was reserved for the air 
will start to suffocate and you will feel laziness. And again, that's a lack of responsibility. Of course, on one side we hear prasad is akanta. You should take prasad akanta. Akanta means up to your neck. We see in Gaur Lila so much of that and in so many pastimes between Mahaprabhu and his devotees sharing more and more prasad. But again, it's a way of expressing Audarya Lila, lots of mercy, excessive mercy. Prasad means mercy. And those members are not exploitive members at all. All that is in the context of dedication. So yeah, Kanta Prashad, up to your neck, but also we have Bachobigam, control your tongue. Chaitanya Charitamrita says the same. Mahaprabhu said this to Raghunandas. Parayana Krishna Nahipai. What is the meaning of this? One who is subservient to the tongue and thus goes here and there trying to please it devoted to the genitals and the belly cannot attain Krishna. And all it all starts with the tongue, which is a very little thing hidden there in your mouth. Nobody's seeing that, but it's controlling the whole system. So it is said, as if you control the tongue, all the other senses will be controlled. Stomach, mind, genitals. If you do not control the tongue in the connection of eating and speaking, all the other ones will be out of control. That's why Rupa Goswami starts with Padashamita saying, Bachobigam. First go there, to the sp- speaking, to the word, to the tongue, manasa, krodha, vigam, and so on. So again, it's important to not eat more than required. Again, we are honoring mercy. We are not taking mercy for our separate delight. Remember this story that I think I shared some time ago, when Srila Prabhupada was ordering, some of their servants were uh, distributing Prabhupada's Mahaprasad to the boats and the boats were picking. I want the Gulab Shamun, I want the Sandesh, I want the Pakora. And Prabhupada ordered, they are mix everything because they are picking according to their own taste. So let's teach them a lesson. Prasad is not for them to, you to enjoy. But actually we are to be enjoyed by Prasad, by grace. Hmm? He wants to be servants and instruments. So... <clears throat> Prabhupada ordered that, as, as you know, and the boats were overwhelmed, but they, he said, well, Prabhupada said that. He, he did that for eight months or so, something like that. <laughs> so the devotees understood, this is not to satisfy, to gratify my senses. This is to purify <laughs> my whole being. Sometimes, in order for creating more sacred moments, I've seen, and I've done that sometimes, sometimes it might not be practical, but while eating prasad, while honoring prasad, sorry for the word, <laughs> honoring, Sometimes Mona is invoked, Mona Brat, in silence. The Buddhists are honoring Prasad, trying to meditate on what they are doing, or speaking Harikata, speaking, chanting the glories of Mahaprasad. Or some other uh, standards have been, for example, Srila Maharaj had a standard of eating only what was served to him in the plate. He will never take seconds. He will took the stance, whatever is Krishna's grace he wants to show me, Send me, that will accept. Again, it's not something that everyone has to do. But these are like nice examples that show how we can address this principle. Or someone may honor Prasad without adding any spice to it. Like trying to, I want to honor the, how Krishna tasted that. I don't want to put anything else for my own personal tongue. Again, this may be the topmost utam utam ideal and it may be too much for most of us. But at least it's nice to have that in mind and gradually approach the ideal uh, standard to honor Prasad in one way or another. Again, going to practical considerations, if you are serving Prasad from the pot to the plate, do not try not to make the 
spoon that you are using to serve to touch the plates because it's the, the, the item from the kitchen ideally should not be mixed with one's own plates. If you are taking salt, <clears throat> ideally that should be served by spoon, not by hand because of cleanliness, again. <clears throat> what else? Mm, concerning serving prasad, mm, sometimes, maybe, in, especially in big festivals, and especially if there is big fasting going on, sometimes it may be better that the devotees who are serving prasad may first honor prasad. Mm, so they will be more attentive and not disturbed. Everyone is eating, I'm fasting for hours and whatever. This is not the ideal. I mean, ideally, the one who is serving will wait for everyone to finish and then one will honor Prasad. But one has also to be flexible according to time, place, circumstance. Of course, we have on the other side the great contrast and example of King Ranti, Ranti Dev from the Bhagavad, which he was, as you may know, he, he was tested by the demigods, the devas. And, and they were coming as guests to his house and he was offering whatever he had for eating to them and to them again and to them again to the point that he had nothing and he was starving to death. And he was ready to do so in order to properly atiti devo bhavam to honor each one of the guests as God himself, even to the dogs, to everyone who was coming. So that's a really extreme but beautiful, inspiring example about the, the, the integrity of the servant. Also something very nice that we see in, in a lot in India, but it's not something also limited to India, is that if you are eating with others on, on the table or on the floor, whatever, do not leave the table, if you will, even if it's on the floor, while others are eating. Generally, the standard, for example, when you go to India, the devotees are honorary prasad, and when the senior devotee finishes, you will hear in Vrindavan especially, that Jai Shiradhi Shyam. And at that moment, the senior devotee will wake up and leave, and all the rest will follow. They won't continue honoring. So, of course, for that you have to have some similar rhythm for honoring Prasad, but that's a nice way not to leave uh, the tables while others are eating, but also if the senior one finishes, well, of course, again, this may take different forms. But just in case you go to India, that may happen for sure. If you are using a table, ideally after honoring Prashad, the table should be cleansed. The plates, the pots, and the forks and spoons and so on, ideally should be cleansed right after the use. Do not leave like dirty plates and pots here and there. Mm. Um, ideally, we should wash the pots on one particular... Uh, uh, how to say? Um sink in the kitchen sink we should have I mean especially in the temple at home it may be difficult but if you can generally you will wash the pots on one first and your own plate separately so whatever is still in the plate that are your remnants is not entering into the pots that will be used for cooking for Bhagavan even in some temples in India they have standards that they for ekadasi they will be only using pots for ekadasi and the other pots for the other days but that may be too much for sure for most but some of these considerations may be good. So some uh, sink may be for washing the pots, some other for cleaning the dishes and washes one's hands and mouth, whatever. Even on, on more, again, going back to some uh, Ayurvedic or cultural terms, there is some other order for serving prasad, at least the Bengali standard, just more like information-like. This is not so much for you to go mad and I have to do like that. 
but generally they serve first the bitter foods <clears throat> in certain order. First the bitter food like sukta and so on, then the more staple, staple food like rice and chapati or puri. Then they will serve astringent foods like spinach and so on. Then they will serve the fried foods and dal, for example, then the spicy vegetables, then some sour foods and then some sweets. Bengali style, again, in Braj, our North Indian generally states the sweets will be served first. And Ayurveda actually recommends also that, first with the sweet. That kinds of, of regulates the rest of the eating and, and won't you allow to eat that much, if you will, but just the necessary. And also, as I mentioned, ideally the liquids should be taken first. Not during prasad and nor after prasad. Again, in the context of your health, basically, in this case, because... If you take during or after, you are putting liquid on your digestive fire, so that will affect proper digestion. So ideally, you should take liquids first. <clears throat> or after, after some time, of course, of digesting process. Again, there are many considerations coming from Ayurveda, some relative sadhvic considerations from this medicine department regarding eating in a healthy way, in a balanced way. Um, many customs about eating in India, so I don't want to overwhelm you with that, but just sharing some ideas. This is not necessarily Vaishnava etiquette. The same point with the ideal diet for a devotee. One may ask that. Someone asked one that to Srila Prabhupada. What's the ideal diet for a devotee? What should a Gaudiya Vaishnava eat? <laughs> well, like idealizing. There should be a, a specific Uttam Uttam preparation that is the best for devotees. So Prabhupada was not paying too much attention to that. I mean, he was saying basically, try to honor Prasad, but regarding which preparation... But they were insisting on him. Maybe you know the story. And at one point, he was kind of upset and said, okay, just rice, dal, and chapati. Like implying, do not bother me with this anymore. I mean, make that as you consider, but simple, and that's all. Do, do not just go mad with that. And of course, they took his statement as an absolute... Mm, like dictum and they start to share the news all along his society devotees should read only rice, dal and chapati rice, dal and chapati breakfast, lunch, dinner so that became a standard in the whole society for some time so in time devotees were getting sick because they were not able to fully digest rice, dal and chapati every single day for breakfast for lunch, for dinner so eventually the news came to Prabhupada and they say Prabhupada can you make can we make some adjustment to the, our diet? And Prabhupada didn't understand what they were speaking about. Say, what are you talking about? Because you say that we should only eat rice, dal, and chapatis, and the boats are getting sick only eating that. And Prabhupada looked at them like, you didn't understand me at all. <laughs> so he said after that, from now on, never again, never say Prabhupada saved because he was realizing in my name they are saying they are misinterpreting me, interpreting me. So again. Regarding what to eat, sometimes adjustment could be made even regarding health issues. But of course, ideally, beyond health issues, we should be willing to honor mm, Prasad mm, properly. Mm, as, mm, ex extreme example of Raghunadas Goswami in Jagannathpur eating those stale grains of rice that not even the cows were eating from coming from Jagannath. So the principle is there. Of course, we cannot imitate, but we have to take the essence of that. Mm. And regarding What's offered to Bhagavan, also Rupa Goswami in, in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu regarding food and any, anything, he said, ideally you should offer those things that are favored to him, 
But if this is too much for you, at least you should offer those things that are favorite to you. So you can invest some feeling, emotion, and connect that emotion, which is still not so pure, somehow or other with Bhagavan. And begin the perfect spiritualization of that emotion. In the 11th canto of the Bhagavatam, Krishna is saying the same thing. Whatever is most desired by one within this material world, and whatever is most dear to oneself, or the word Atma here could apply over to Krishna, one should offer that very thing to me. Such an offering qualifies one for eternal life. So again, we have to begin somewhere. So maybe in the beginning we not, may not be able just to be only concerned about what Bhagavan likes the most. So we are still are considering what I like the most. So at least try to connect that personal desire, separate desire, and make Krishna part of the equation. And gradually you will be more and more purified to the point that you are concerned about what does he like the most. And of course, as we always said, main element in Krishna's diet is bhakti. But also there are some preparations we know he likes or that Mahaprabhu liked, like sak in Gorlila and so on. So we may also get concerned eventually about preparing, offering those to them, but with bhakti. Because sometimes we may say, oh, Krishna likes milk a lot, so we have to continue eating milk. No, we don't follow being vegan or whatever. And this is a whole point, of course, veganism nowadays and for the last years as well. Of course, in principle, we are not vegans because... I mean, we can we project ourselves to live in a land of cow herders. <laughs> Our milk will be flowing like rivers there in every single sense of the term. Uh, but also we can understand the, the, how the milk industry nowadays, the dairy industry is working and how much violence is in, involved there. So something that we can do is if between stages we will all, we'll accept milk products if they come from the background of protected cows which is one of the 64 angas of Bhakti mentioned by Rupa Goswami, Goseva. Of course, someone may say, okay, but I will uh, I will offer the milk I'm buying at the supermarket, so the cow that gave that milk, for, who, who for sure must be dead by that time in that particular body, he, she will be purified, whatever she is. And the point is, I get the point, and, and Bhakti has that potency, but till which point we have the capacity of creating that purification. Till which point we are really do, doing that for compassion of that particular cow, or we are actually ingesting those dairy products because of the enjoyment for our tongue. So we need to be really sincere before saying too quickly, rushing into that particular conclusion. No, no, that's for the <clears throat> for from the deep compassion toward that cow. If that's the case, for sure that soul will be benefited. But if it, that's just some official excuse for c- continuing gratifying my tongue, I mean, we shouldn't cheat ourselves to begin with. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we see Prahlad Maharaj, <clears throat> great example in this connection. Irani Keshipu at one point gave him poison to drink. And he took the poison and started to drink it, but he offered to Bhagavan because he conceived everything is an offering to Bhagavan. So he offered the poison to Bhagavan and drank it, but because of the strength of his bhakti, poison was no longer poison and became amrit, became nectar, because of the strength of his devotion. So that happens like that. You have to have that type of bhakti, not not the opposite. That we may take something in the name of prasad, but contaminate that with our enjoying spirit and make it something else. So it's it's a lot about having one's sincerity. And as I mentioned, if you say, no, but Krishna likes milk a lot, so we should continue 
giving him milk, milk. Uh, actually, Krishna is not eating milk. Krishna is eating bhakti. Hmm. As you know, Patram Pushpam Falantuyam Jome Bhaktiya Prayachati Tadaham Bhakti Upaharitam Ashnami Prayatatmana. He mentions there flower, fruit, water. He doesn't mention milk, but no problem. But he mentions twice bhakti. Hmm. So that's the main thing he's consuming, quote-unquote consuming. This is a famous story when Duryodhana prepared this big meal for Krishna, trying to honor him in a diplomatic way, trying to get his on his side before the Kurukshetra war. And Krishna could know all that. So there were lots of preparation, lots of meal products, but the bhava was not there. So Krishna came, came and crossed the whole parade that Duryodhana had organized, like bands of music and big feasts and all the things for Krishna, quote-unquote, Krishna understood this is not for me. So he walked as if deaf and blind to that. He went to the end of the street where Bidura was living. And he knocked on the door. Of course, Bidura was not there, but Bidura's was, was, wife was there, as you know the story, maybe. And Krishna said, I'm hungry, feed me. No? That's, that's what you say when you go visit your house. When you are at home, you won't say, maybe there is something in the fridge. I say, I'm hungry. So Bidura's, they were poor, and they only had some bananas at home. So she was so much in ecstasy because imagine Krishna's knocking your door and say, I'm hungry, I want to eat. And she was a pure devotee, so she started to peel the bananas, but in her ecstasy, instead of giving Krishna the bananas and throwing the peels, she was throwing the bananas and giving Krishna the peels. And Krishna was accepting them, not only accepting, honoring, putting in their head, but eating them and asking for more. That's the point he mentions Krishna in the Gita. He says, I accept whatever offerings made with love, but here he was not only accepting, but eating them. Actually, he was eating, again, the bhakti of Vidura's wife. Mm -hmm. So we have many of examples like this. Again, also the famous Raghunandan Thakur offering as a child prasad to the deity. His father said, I'm leaving today, you make the offering. So he made that with so much honesty and sincerity and transparency. Mm -hmm. As a kid, I said, please Krishna, you, you eat this. My father told me that I have to offer you, you have to eat, please, ate everything. And the father, Mukunda Kaviraj, came then and... and, and there, were not, there was nothing in the plate. And he said, I did what you asked me. And the mother said, you are, you are, you are lying. <laughs> you, all, you ate the whole thing. So Mukunda Kaviraj told, no, let's do it again. And I will hide myself. And you will offer that. So then he saw Bhagavan is eating, actually, literally. So hopefully someday that happens. And we are happy with that. We are not unhappy that, oh, we, we won't have lunch today because the deity ate, ate everything. That, that's the success of your offering. <laughs> So of course that said, there are certain certain restrictions in our in our food uh, diet. Now we do not we do not offer to Bhagavan as prasad, eventual prasad, meat, fish, as you know, eggs, garlic, onion. All the things are not part of uh, Krishna's diet. Recently there was some discussion on eggs, and I would think, well, the main reason why we do not eat eggs is because Krishna do not eat eggs. He doesn't eat them. He doesn't like them. So we, we won't offer that to him because it's not for us. I mean, it's, I'm not eating eggs myself. I'm offering first something to Krishna. So first I have to check what Krishna is eating. He's not eating, eating meat, fish. We can also give some Ayurvedic consideration, our health, and what's the biological composition of the egg and this and the rajasic, tamasic effect of garlic, onion. But first and foremost, is that's not part of Krishna's diet. So... I want to offer that, basically, in a simple way. So, give me some few minutes, I'm almost done, but I would like to share some brief words regarding the Kadasi. Yesterday we had the Kadasi, 
which is also part in this context of honoring Prasad, Prasad Seva. And as you know, Ekadasi comes twice a month, and it's a day when we are not only not eating grains, <laughs> but ideally increasing our bhakti. Now, my, our, my Guru Maharaj spoke about this a lot. But there are levels of following Ekadasi. Again, one level will be, you may even see Ekadasi as inauspicious, saying, oh, today this is a day inauspicious because Papa Purusha is present in grains, so we shouldn't anger. Someone may have a negative view on Ekadasi. Mm-hmm. Or uh, Papa Rush is in the grains, that's inauspicious. Or I cannot eat grains, and that's why it's inauspicious. <laughs> I cannot have pizza today. Kalas is inauspicious, and we are just praying for duality to come. That's not the idea. The Kalas is known as Hari Basara, which means the day of Hari. And we found in the, in the Puranas many statements if you follow a you will obtain this blessing and that blessing. But most of those things are in the context of Karma Kanda. So those are not the main motive the main motivation for us to follow Ekadasi. So on one level we may say, I follow Ekadasi not to ingest the sins that are present in the grains. There are a whole story behind that. That's a level of that. I won't take grains. You can see Ekadasi in negative terms, but in the positive terms, Ekadasi is known as Upavasa. Upavasa means also to get closer, to reside closer. It's the day of Hari, Hari Basara, so I can increase my proximity to him by increasing my, of course, service attitude. So it is said that on Ekadasi, the moon, position of the moon, is in certain position that it affects, of course, the moon is related to the mind and the water element. So a day on Ekadasi, the water are especially agitated and the mind will be also especially agitated. So also the idea is grains are powerful foods that may create some further agitation, so better to allow that... Um, some devotees also may fast completely, they may make special austerities, but again, this is not necessarily a must. I mean, if you do that properly, no problem. That's a byproduct of your absorption. But, uh, again, the main point of fasting, for example, Sula Siamara said once, regarding to Ekadasi or any other festivities, that you get so absorbed in whatever that festivity represents that you forgot to eat. It's not that Okay, I have to fast today till Purnim, till the moon appears in Gaur Purnim. And you are all day long thinking about eating. But I have to fast. No, it means you absorb so much yourself in Shravan, Kirtan, Vaishnav, Siva and so on. You forgot about to eat. That's the ideal conception of why to fast. Not just Because fasting in itself is not bhakti. It's not that by fasting you are increasing your bhakti. Bhakti comes from bhakti, not from fasting. So fasting will be... a, a a particular byproduct of your bhakti. So, our ultimate conception of Ekadasi, the Aprakrit conception, as Vilasya mentioned, that is, on Ekadasi, the moon is agitating the waters in a particular way, and the body is made of water also, so that creates certain movements in our case, in our mind. But also, he will say, in the Aprakrit conception, in the Golok conception, the waters in Krishna's transcendental body has been agitated and his mind as well, in the transcendental way. So the point is, he has more desire to enjoy on those days. In the Kadasi, Krishna is particularly prone to enjoy. Of course, he enjoys in a pure way, and we are there to provide enjoyment to him. So a Kadasi is a unique opportunity where Krishna is more willing to enjoy, and necessity is the matter of invention. As more necessary the service, more remuneration will be there for us in the form of further service capacity. So ideally, 
uh, ecstasy has to do with that. That's the highest conception of ecstasy. Increase my absorption in chanting, hearing, serving, and that's why it's called upavas, the day of Hari, mm. Hari Basara, sorry, the day of Hari on upavas, which means a day that I can increase my uh, proximity to Him mm, through surrender. Through, mm. And that's why also in that particular, in those particular days, like Ekadasi, also it's recommended to ideally avoid activities centered on oneself or on the body mm, to gain further absorption, like for example, receiving massage, cutting one's nails or hair, to avoid sexual activity, mm. like two days in a month that to officially dedicate ourselves more to Sri Hari, and to officially dispose ourselves you know, for the pleasure of Hari, Guru and Vaishnava. And this is the famous uh, story of Jashodananda and Swami also that my Guru Mahesh likes to narrate. When he went to visit Sri Lassidhar Maharaj to the Sri Chaitanya Sarasvad Mat, Jashodananda and Swami was a Prabhupada disciple and he was doing Kirtan and he was famous for leaping in the air and chanting and fasting completely in Ekadasi, near Jal, even without water. So when the moment of having darshan of Silasida Maharaj came, Silasida Maharaj said, do, offered to him to honor some Mahaprasad from his deity, Gandharvika Giridhari, Gandharvika Govinda Sundar. And, uh, and he said, Maharaj, on Ekadasi I make near Jal, full fasting, thank you very much. And Shri Samaras was like, but, and you are leaping in the air, doing kirtan and fasting even without water? Yeah, yeah. So Shri Samaras again offered, please honor some Mahaprasad. So Jasonanda Swami thought, maybe he didn't hear me properly, so he explained himself again. And for a third time, Shri Samaras insisted. So then Jasonanda Swami understood the point. So he said to Shri Samaras, well, I have maintained this vow for years of making your jali nikadasi, but if you want me to honor Mahaprasad from your Ishtadev, I will break my bow. So Sila Samaras was very pleased with that. And eventually he will say, say Jasudanandan Swami understood what Vaishnavism is about. You are willing to break your bows for the sake of a higher bow. In order to please Hari, Guru and Vaishnavas, those are my bows. So if I have to break some bow to increase that bow, I have no problem with that. So it's important to keep this idea in mind in connection to to Ekadasi, and also again, going beyond Ekadasi, going back and making full circle, full circle before finishing, going back to the idea of Prashad. That today we have tried to share Prashad, Prashad Sevaya, and what a serious thing that is, and how, if we take that seriously, how deep will be the, the purification, the enlightenment, the, the, I will say the closeness to Bhakti, more and more that we will be we'll, we'll, we'll receiving, the rich of, of the grace. And Prashad is grace, Bhagavan's grace, but reaching us in a very generous way, even extending to different personalities, not even humans only. So there's one more story, if you allow me to share before finishing, regarding this point, the power of Prashad, and how we really should understand this is not a joke. And this story comes from one Prabhupada disciple who already passed away already more than a decade ago, so when he accepted sannyas, his name was Siro Dakasai Vishnu Maharaj. I don't recall now his previous name, the, pre the name that Prabhupada gave. He was an Indian disciple and he was the first pres temple president actually of, of Krishna Balan Mandir in Vrindavan. So he lived for a whole, well, most of his life as a Grihasta and he accepted sannyas at the end of his life. So while he was a Grihasta, he was living in Vrindavan. 
with his wife and family. So at one point, they had a dog as a member of the family, if you will. So at one point, the dog passed away. So as you know, for those residing in the dam, we have this conception, nobody is an ordinary personality, even the animals. So this person may be more connected to the transcendental identity of the ones living in Brindan that with Prashad, but it's connected to Prashad as well. So he was wondering, well, what to do? My dog died, but he didn't thought my didn't think my dog died. He said, this Rajabasi, great soul, passed away. So how to honor this properly? As we make some time to do Bab Mahotsad, when some great Vaishnav departs, he was feeling genuinely, I, I have to organize some Tirobab Mahotsam in this case. So he went to a senior Vaishnav during Brindavan and he said, what to do? What to do? How to properly honor this occasion? So this senior Vaishnav told him, maybe till this point this may seem already awkward, weird. <laughs> now you will see the reply of the Vaishnav and that may sound even more bewildering to you. So this sadhu in Brindavan told him, the best way to honor the passing of the, or your Brajabasi dog is you have to organize a great festival with Mahaprasad and you have to go all, all around Braj announcing the festival to the dogs of Braj. So in loud voice you have to and you have to invite all of the dogs that you meet on the way in Brindavan to go and participate in the feast. On that day, on that, such day, such time, such place in honor of such dog, such Vaishnava. So you have to do that. So again, it may sound a little bit weird, but he did it. He had full faith in this Vaishnava and, and he had full faith in the identity of his dog. So he started to do Parikram in Braj and started to announce the Tirubab Mahotsav of his Brajavasi associate to all the dogs in Vrindavan, the ones that lived, the ones he met, for some days, some hour, And then he went back home and he started to prepare the feast and started to cook, cook lots of prasad. Lots of prasad. And he puts all the plates, you know, like if you are preparing for a feast with humans, if you will, put in the plates and the different rows and, and so on. So he was waiting for the dogs to come. So the, the time already was coming, but nobody was coming. So after some few minutes, one first dog starts to come. Another second dog starts to come. And they start to sit, all of them, in front of all of these plates that were put there. So after some minutes, the two of, he made like two long rows of plates. So all of them were filled with, with dogs, basically, Brajabasi dogs. But he then served, and he started to serve herself to them. But he felt that, he, he saw that the dogs were not eating. All of them were sitting. You can imagine if you put food for a dog, <laughs> they won't say you first. They would just run, jump on, onto the other's plate. But they were just sitting in, floor of the, in front of the plates, all of them. And this is a historical account. I'm not just making up the story. And, um, and there was one plate missing. I mean, was, the plate was there, sorry, but there, were no, there was no dog in front of it. And it was just on the, on the corner of, of the two rows. So all of the dogs were waiting and Siddha Takasai Bishwamaras was wondering what's going on. So eventually a dog came. The dog is coming and he, and he was older than the other ones. He was like the senior, if you will, member of the assembly. So he realized oh, all the other dogs are waiting for him to come. So the, first the senior devotee will honor her because that's part of the standard of honor in Prashad that I forgot to mention. 
if you are seated with it in, in a group of devotees, you will wait first for the senior most devotee of the group to honor Prasad, and then you will continue. So this Brajabasi dogs knew the etiquette, <laughs> and they waited. So this dog came, the senior one, and he started to, to honor Prasad, not to eat. And all the other ones started to follow after him. <laughs> While Sri like I said, Vishnu Maharaj was witnessing. This is incredible. So he started to serve them once and twice until they were all satisfied, and eventually all the dogs started to leave. So it is said that after that, all the dogs, all the dogs left, and he went and he started to take all the remnants from all the plates, and he was with his wife, honoring that. That was his particular lunch, on honor that particular remnants. So this is one nice story which shows again the reach of prasad, the reach of the grace of prasad. <laughs> how we should really deal with that, how we should serve that, how we should honor that. So some ideas I want to share with you about Prasad, Prasad Sevaya. So I hope that helps. And uh, let's go for questions. We have some few some few minutes in case anyone has something to share. This is Brigu. Uh, I, I missed the beginning of your talk, so, so you maybe already spoke about this, but just in case, did you speak about... Uh, not tasting while cooking. Not tasting while cooking. Well, I didn't mention that specifically. That's a good point. I mentioned not to desire what was one cooking before offering to Bhagavan. And I thought, well, that's okay. I, I think that's included in that. But just in case, okay. <laughs> just in case it was, it, <laughs> no, it was okay. good that's that, okay. that you mentioned that. I just wanted to that. share something in that case. Okay. Because yes, please. This is so, how, how I learned as a, as a new bhakta, how to cook for Krishna? That that you don't you don't desire the food before offering, so you don't taste it. Mm -hmm. And I was always doing so, uh, and I'm still doing like that mostly. But when Shla Gopananda Bono Maharaj visited me here in Finland, mm -hmm. uh, he was cooking uh, once, and uh, his service when a, a brahmachari in his guru's ashram was cooking. So, so he's he's a very expert cook, and he once had a cooking competition with uh, Prabhupada Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. Uh, so, so he's very expert at cooking. And who won? And uh, when he was, <laughs> he won it. Okay. But uh, when he was cooking, before serving, he took a spoon and he tasted it, and I was shocked. Before serve, like, before serve, before serving, before, or before, before offering. Before offering. Oh. Before offering, hmm. and I said, "How can you taste it before offering?" And he said, "I don't want to offer anything to Krishna that I know that I don't know is perfect. So I need to first check whether it is perfect." So yeah. to be honest, I didn't follow his example in this because I'm so accustomed to not tasting before offering. Mm -hmm. But I liked the idea also. Mm -hmm. I thought, "Yeah, this is also one way to to view it." Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for sharing this story. And I and I was aware, not particularly in the in the case of, of Srila Gopananda Maharaj, but of, of other sadhus that that was also sometimes the standard. They were taste or, or they were tasting that, or maybe some others that were offering, and they were tasting before serving. No, but again, it's similar idea. And of course, some others we will not taste anything at all, and they will really have like I don't know, deep conviction that. Whatever is wrong here, Bhagavan will make up for that while tasting. So I will say that all of those options, if are addressed with the proper attitude and concern, 
they will be valid. Again, it's, it's the whole principle about this because you can follow all the externally the ritual proper and first offered to Bhagavan and didn't taste it, I didn't see, but actually in your mind you are just waiting for the offering to leave the altar and just jump on that. <laughs> and maybe the other one is externally tasting that first but never at all with this spirit, spirit enjoyment spirit. So again, it's a matter of sincerity and where we are how much we can deal with that and how much we can do the same thing and really do that in service or we are just imitating. Anukaran is one thing, Anusaran is another thing. So one thing is to imitate the sad, another thing is to follow into his her footsteps. So for that we need to know where that person is standing internally and where we are. But of course, I appreciate your your narration, your contribution because that adds nuanced to the whole idea and, and, and takes us to the essence of all this for sure. We, we, we have this famous idea also, I shared the last lecture also, of this lady who was worshipping Madame Mohan before Madame Mohan went with Sanatana Goswami. She was also like tasting and brushing her teeth with one hand and making the preparation at the same time. And, and Sanatana Goswami said, this is not proper, read Hari Bhakti Vilas. <laughs> Um, and she st she changed the standard, trying to please Sanatan Goswami, feeling, oh, uh, sorry, I was offender, I didn't know in her humility. And then the next day, the Mahmoha said, I don't like this. Go back to the old standard. That's what I like. But again, we cannot imitate it. And tomorrow, okay, I will brush my teeth while preparing breakfast and I will be doing higher service. Not necessarily, you know. So again, at the end of the day, it's a lot of introspection and self-examination and recognizing where we are and what's best for us. You know? so, but thank you for sure. It was very nice. <laughs> what else? Any other question? Don't do it, Maharaj. Who is there? Gurunista or Shamananda? Oh, Gurunista, okay. Oops, did I block somebody else? No, no, I think Shamananda had, or Sham, Osakirati had another question, but we can go with them then. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to make a small comment. Uh, of course, you're probably not surprised that Guru March tastes the food also that he's cooking. And I remember the first time I ever saw that was during a feast. We were rushing the feast in the end and he came in and just popped something in his mouth and he kind of looked at me with this funny thing said, don't try this at home or something like that. <laughs> he says, like, don't do this, you know. But like, he you know, wanted to make sure it was all good. Yeah. yeah. And But the thing that I wanted to... Uh, uh, share with all of you is the story that I think is such, such a cool story and probably is not very widely circulating in our sangha but I think it's worth telling and that is that you were talking about the different levels of prashad how it's, there's like a, like a gradation of purity or something according to the person who offers it and so when the devotees had just come to Audarya I think it might have been the second year or something uh, one morning Gurumach was doing the offerings because uh, there were so few devotees there that they, here that they had to kind of involve Guru Maharaj in some of the practical things. And so Vrindarana was cooking um, pancakes. And so Guru Maharaj offered the pancakes to Gornitai in the uh, old, old, you know, where he, it's like the downstairs of Guru Maharaj's place right now it used to be the temple room. And so Guru Maharaj, he always stays on the altar when he chants Gayatri during the uh, food offering. And so then when he opened his eyes, like half of the pancake had disappeared. And he was sitting right there. And so that, that I think, is a very far out story. And both Gurmach and Brindarani are, like, uh, are witnesses to that. And I don't think they would like 
say that it didn't happen just to make, make a point or whatever ever so i i definitely take it as a as a real account just wanted to share that with you guys thank you thank you so much yeah i didn't know that one i'm sure most of you either so that was a that's adding to the list of testimonies more contemporary ones that that can happen so be ready for that <laughs> But again, I, I, and also I like that what you mentioned first about our, our Guru Maharaj having that standard, sometimes tasting that first and so on, in the line of what Brigupat said. It speaks about who they are, because again, that same person is the one who offered the pancake and eventually was half pancake was gone. So that speaks about who was that person offering that, you know, what's her, his standing and how much we are to follow that. You know? Because sometimes again, I mean, the Guru may do some things, of course, the Guru is expected to be an example for everyone regarding what we spoke also last class, punctuality and so on. But also sometimes the Guru may act beyond the norm, moved out of bhava and so on. And and we cannot just say, okay, Guru Maharaj did like that, so I will do like that. Not necessarily. I mean, of, of course, in one sense, we are to follow the Guru and the Charya, but also, again, as I mentioned, one thing is to follow in the footsteps, that's called Anusharana, which means to follow the essence, Anushara. Another thing is Anukaran, which means to follow the external act only, without understanding what's going on in essence, and that will be termed imitation. So once Lassira Maharaj also was doing something differently than how Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta did it, and someone was telling, but Guru Maharaj is doing like this, and Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta was being more, not so strict, whatever, in whatever he was doing, and Lassira Maharaj was being more strict. And someone asked, why you are, do, you are being so strict? Guru Maharaj is not doing like that. And I said, but I'm not Guru Maharaj. I have to be more strict than my Guru Maharaj because I'm not on his level. So that's the point. It's not that I'm being more strict because I think I'm better than him. <laughs> because I'm not better than him, I'm more strict than him. On certain things, of course, on, on another sense, we will realize my Guru is more strict than him in everything, if you will, more serious and more deep. But... In some of these things, sometimes we may feel, okay, my Guru Maharaj is doing this from a particular side, where I am standing to follow that, of course, to appreciate that, to be nourished by that, but maybe not to to imitate. So I appreciate the two contributions, Guru Nishtha, you know, the, the first one and also the second one, like to give a very interesting nuance, balance to that. So thanks for sharing. So I don't thank know. You. No, thank you. I don't know if, if Shamananda had a question or a comment or Sakirati. Yeah, I love Pranam. Pranam Sakirati. Can you speak a little bit louder, please, if possible? Yeah. I, I cannot hear. So, yeah. Um, I had a very simple question. Okay. Which might I I didn't really get the point of the class, but what are your favorite dishes? What again? Hi, louder. What, what I'm, are your favorite dishes? In my personal like case. The, yeah, we know you don't like eggplant. <laughs> yeah, generally that's that's what most know about me. What's the favorite thing that Maharaj likes? Well, we know he doesn't like eggplant. Yeah, I don't like eggplant, with, to be honest. And, and, and it's not good for my health as well. I've tried for some time. I mean, for some time I, I've eaten that, but after some time something happened and some Prarabdha karma, whatever. A prarabdha karma became Prarabdha and I was not able to honor that. Of course, it's... Some Mahaprasad counts, and I will be honoring that, but it's not something that I will really deal with that very nicely, even on health level. And regarding favorite preparations, I'm really terrible for that. I don't have, like, generally, the devotees say, what's your favorite preparation? I generally feel whatever 
it comes as I don't want to like be a sahaja and look I'm so essential and whatever Krishna is tasting that's my favorite but I'm not I don't have too much of that no, I like sweets a lot I, I, I must confess so I mean try not to indulge in excess in that but I, I, that could be a, a particular uh, wave in that direction but if not I, I don't know I am really happy just honoring rice and dal forever basically <laughs> And whatever may like to come, I, 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 I honor. I try to, maybe it's some mechanism of protection and try not to enter too much into what I like in the case of, I know that if I start to think in those terms, I, I won't do that in the context of service. So I may prefer just to remain open to whatever comes to me as grace, even though it may be too generic and, and honor that accordingly. I make that my favorite. So basically that. Sorry if I'm not too specific, but <clears throat> whenever I visit you there at Sweden, we may speak more in detail and make some some more concrete list of preparations, whatever. But rice and dal, I will be happy forever. And on the Kadasi, we, we, we may see what to do, no problem. <laughs> so thank you. Marge, you said you like sweets. What kind of sweets do you like? The best? <laughs> ah, whatever it fits into that category, that will be the favorite, no problem. If it's sweets Excellent. and that's prasad, that's more than enough no no not a sweet with eggplant please i don't i don't think there may be any but who knows just in case oh i was i was just thinking of making this <laughs> you are always ex, you are always ex, you are always experimenting with new preparations as guru Maharaj mentioned so you can do it a sweet with eggplant but i don't know i will may pay pranam from the distance to that one in aishvarya mode who knows <laughs> 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 okay so anything else <clears throat> I'm really nervous to have you tomorrow, Maharaj. No eggplant. That's the only the only thing, Mahara. No problem. There, everything else, I'll, I'll be happy there. And if there is eggplant and you already make something, I will honor that. No problem. I trust your bhakti will protect my stomach. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm not going to have eggplant, but I almost did. <laughs> you almost what? Sorry. I almost was thinking maybe he'd like some eggplant, but I didn't do it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I didn't get any. <laughs> no, no problem. Everything will be okay. But, but I did. I did have a question from the pre from last week's class. Um, you had mentioned the turning off of the um, video, and I I thought about these two devotees that they have this Bhagavatam class every day, and they get like nine thousand viewers. Um, maybe a thousand while it's live and they love when the screens are turned on and they don't they like it when they see people doing exercising or even one guy was riding a horse and they just think it's really cool to have the video on so i guess it's kind of like a personal preference maybe here Uh, I beg to gently defer with that, but what to do? Maybe with, with such a big audience, you, you have to be so flexible and you will say those things because if not, the audience will get smaller. And, but personally, I don't have problem to getting audiences getting smaller. That may be the problem in some other cases. <laughs> you want to keep a big number and for that you, you promote even some things that, you, that actually are not favorable. I mean, of course, I understand you may be... I mean, or, or someone may be really totally transcendental and not be affected by whatever anyone else is doing in front of their camera. But in general, in consideration of the other people, that's something that, I mean, 
if you are in class, try to be at in, in, in class. There may be some exception to the rule and you are riding a horse or a dinosaur <laughs> or a plane or whatever and you are listening to classes instead of hearing some nonsense in your mind. But in general, I think that as much as you stop doing everything and just do that particular thing, that will help to f focus your mind. And we need to, to educate our mind because our mind is so so much multi-branched and multi-tasked. So if we, on top of that, promote more of that, I, I personally do not think it's, it's helpful. I, I don't think that it's just a matter of, of personal taste. Of course... It's, it's, there is personal taste, but that doesn't mean it will be favorable for bhakti. I may say, my personal taste is chanting japa with, well, riding my motorbike. That's my personal taste. But I will say, well, okay, I, 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 I agree, but it's not favorable. <laughs> so the point is, anukulyasa sankalpa pratikulyasa varjanam. It's not about our personal taste, but about what's favorable for bhakti and unfavorable. I'm making that our personal taste. That's it, the whole beginning of surrender. What's favorable and what's not unfavorable? How to deal with that properly? That will be that will replace my conditioned person taste. So I know that not everyone is ready for that to the full extent, but I think it's important to to be open for that. So to you tomorrow, Mahara, for honoring Prasad there. <laughs> and there's there, there, sorry. There's, I just had one one more question from a previous class about Java. Uh, can I ask that now? Or? Uh, maybe tomorrow after lunch, I will think, Matt, probably, because we are on time here and I have one more co okay. question connected to the topic here by Matt and Gopal, if you don't mind. Or maybe you can save that for next class. There will be different topics, so we can touch some topics that may be not strictly connected to today's topic. Thank you. So Matt and Gopal says here in the chat, well, I mean, it's a public thing, but he shared, but I will mention, say, I've also had I've also had Guru Maharaj walk through our kitchen during programs and enthusiastically try something we were preparing. Little actions like that I found very endearing and made me think that actually I was about to offer that to the deities and Guru Maharaj and how fortunate I am that he's here for an in-person offering and so sweet that I get to witness this his enthusiasm. I consider this to be the best offerings and prasad I have ever honored. Jai. So again, we agree with that. It's a person who has full control of his senses and beyond that full awakened heart. So if the person is doing what he's doing, like the example we make, the Brahma Vimohan Lila, they will eat the picnic in a very unusual way. And of course, Guru Maharaj will be following, is following those footsteps. Uh, that's one thing. But if your senses are not under control and you try to imitate such a personality, as we know at the end of the Rasa Lila, that's what Sukadev said to Parikshit. If you imitate great personalities, you will be destroyed, basically. So you cannot perform Rasa Lila's Krishna. You cannot drink an ocean of poison as Mahadev did, and he became, became his throat ornamented, Nilakanta. So similarly like this, you know, we, you should be very careful to properly two things. Not to imitate that, but at the same time, be enough open to feel charmed and nourished by that particular example that we shouldn't imitate. <laughs> but at the same time, we should be able to nourish ourselves from that that we shouldn't be doing, but which we can appreciate. So thank you so much also for sharing that particular testimony. So today we will finish here on our next class, which will be the last one. It will be on, on various topics, again, of miscellaneous topics that we were not able to make them fit along our lecture. So also I'm thinking, although I have a considerable list of those, 
if you have any topic in mind, any suggestion you may like me to speak about, you can send me some private message. I will try to consider uh, include that in the list. So thank you very much for your time. Srila Gurudev Ki Jai, Sriman Mahaprabhu Ki Jai, Sri Harinam Sankirtan Ki Jai, Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai, Gaur Praman Haribu.